0: SECTION 10 OF GREAT PIRATE STORIES This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tisto GREAT PIRATE STORIES by Various Edited by Joseph Louis French SECTION 10 A TRUE ACCOUNT OF THREE NOTORIOUS PIRATES PART 2 A TRUE ACCOUNT OF THREE NOTORIOUS PIRATES, HOWARD PYLE, EDITOR, FOOTNOTE, A CONTEMPORARY NARRATIVE, FROM THE BUCCANEERS OF AMERICA, END FOOTNOTE, TWO CAPTAIN WILLIAM KIDD, WE ARE NOW GOING TO GIVE AN ACCOUNT OF ONE WHOSE NAME IS BETTER KNOWN IN ENGLAND THAN MOST OF THOSE WHOSE HISTORIES WE HAVE ALREADY RELATED, THE PERSON WE MEAN IS CAPTAIN KIDD, whose public trial and execution here rendered him the subject of all conversation, so that his actions have been chanted about in ballads. However, it is now a considerable time since these things passed, and though the people knew in general that Captain Kidd was hanged, and that his crime was piracy, yet there were scarce any, even at that time, who were acquainted with his life or actions, or who could account for his turning pirate. In the beginning of King William's War, Captain Kidd commanded a privateer in the West Indies, and by several adventurous actions acquired the reputation of a brave man, as well as an experienced seaman. About this time the pirates were very troublesome in those parts, wherefore Captain Kidd was recommended by the Lord Bellamont, then Governor of Barbados, as well as by several other persons, to the government here, as a person very fit to be entrusted with the command of a government ship, and to be employed in cruising upon the pirates, as knowing those seas perfectly well, and being acquainted with all their lurking places. But what reasons governed the politics of those times I cannot tell, but this proposal met with no encouragement here, though it is certain it would have been of great consequence to the subject, our merchants suffering incredible damages by those robbers. Upon this neglect, the Lord Bellamont and some others, who knew what great captures had been made by the pirates, and what a prodigious wealth must be in their possession, were tempted to fit out a ship at their own private charge, and to give the command of it to Captain Kidd. And to give the thing a great reputation, as well as to keep their seamen under the better command, they procured the King's commission for the said Captain Kidd, of which the following is an exact copy. William Rex, William Third, by the grace of God, King of England, Scotland, France, and Ireland, defender of the faith, etc. To our trusty and well-beloved Captain William Kidd, commander of the ship, the Adventure Galley or to any other commander of the same for the time being. Greeting. Whereas we are informed that Captain Thomas II, John Ireland, Captain Thomas Wake, and Captain William Mace, or Mays, and other subjects, natives, or inhabitants of New York and elsewhere, in our plantations in America have associated themselves with diverse others, wicked and ill-disposed persons, and do, against the law of nations, commit many and great piracies, robberies, and depredations on the seas upon the parts of America and in other parts, to the great hindrance and discouragement of trade and navigation, and to the great danger and hurt of our loving subjects, our allies, and all others, navigating the seas upon their lawful occasions. Now know ye that we, being desirous to prevent the aforesaid mischiefs, and as much as in us lies to bring the said pirates freebooters and sea-rovers to justice have thought fit and do hereby give and grant to the said william kidd to whom our commissioners for exercising the office of lord high admiral of england have granted a commission as a private man-of-war bearing date december eleventh sixteen ninety five and unto the commander of the said ship for the time being, and unto the officers, mariners, and others which shall be under your command, full power and authority to apprehend, seize, and take into your custody, as well the said Captain Thomas II, John Ireland, Captain Thomas Wake, and Captain William Mace or Mays, as all such pirates, freebooters, and sea-rovers, being either our subjects or of other nations associated with them, which you shall meet with upon the seas or coasts of America, or upon any other seas or coasts, with all their ships and vessels, and all such merchandises, money, goods, and wares as shall be found on board, or with them, in case they shall willingly yield themselves, but if they will not yield without fighting then you are by force to compel them to yield. And we do also require you to bring or cause to be brought such pirates, freebooters, or sea-rovers, as you shall seize, to a legal trial, to the end they may be proceeded against according to the law in such cases. And we do hereby command all our officers, ministers, and other our loving subjects whatsoever to be aiding and assisting to you in the premises and we do hereby enjoin you to keep an exact journal of your proceedings in the execution of the premises and set down the names of such pirates and of their officers and company and the names of such ships and vessels as you shall by virtue of these presents take and seize and the quantity of arms ammunition provision and lading of such ships and the true value of the same as near as you judge And we do hereby strictly charge and command you, as you will answer the contrary at your peril, that you do not, in any manner, offend or molest our friends or allies, their ships or subjects, by color or pretense of these presents, or the authority thereby granted. In witness whereof we have caused our great seal of England to be affixed to these presents given at our Court of Kensington the twenty-sixth day of January, 1695, in the seventh year of our reign. Captain Kidd had also another commission, which was called a Commission of Reprisals, for it being then wartime, this commission was to justify him in the taking of French merchant ships, in case he should meet with any. With these two commissions he sailed out of Plymouth in may sixteen ninety six in the adventure galley of thirty guns and eighty men the place he first designed for was new york in his voyage thither he took a french banker but this was no act of piracy he having a commission for that purpose as we have just observed when he arrived at new york he put up articles for engaging more hands it being necessary to his ship's crew since he proposed to deal with a desperate enemy. The terms he offered were that every man should have a share of what was taken, reserving for himself and owners forty shares, upon which encouragement he soon increased his company to a hundred and fifty-five men. With this company he sailed first for Madeira, where he took in wine and some other necessaries. From thence he proceeded to Bonavist. One of the cape de verde islands to furnish the ship with salt and from thence went immediately to saint iago another of the cape de verde islands in order to stock himself with provisions when all this was done he bent his course to madagascar the known rendezvous of pirates in his way he fell in with captain warren commodore of three men of war he acquainted them with his design keeping them company two or three days and then leaving them made the best way for madagascar where he arrived in february sixteen ninety six just nine months from his departure from plymouth it happened that at this time the pirate ships were most of them out in search of prey so that according to the best intelligence captain kidd could get there was not one of them at this time about the island wherefore Having spent some time in watering his ship and taking in more provisions, he thought of trying his fortune on the coast of Malabar, where he arrived in the month of June following, four months from his reaching Madagascar. Hereabouts, he made an unsuccessful cruise, touching sometimes at the island of Mahala, sometimes at that of Joanna, between Malabar and Madagascar. His provisions were every day wasting, and his ship began to want repair. Wherefore, when he was at Joanna, he found means of borrowing a sum of money from some Frenchmen who had lost their ship but saved their effects, and with this he purchased materials for putting his ship in good repair. It does not appear all this while that he had the least design of turning pirate, for near Mahala and Joanna both... He met with several Indian ships, richly laden, to which he did not offer the least violence, though he was strong enough to have done what he pleased with them, and the first outrage or depredation I find he committed upon mankind was after his repairing his ship and leaving Joanna. He touched at a place called Mabby, upon the Red Sea, where he took some guinea corn from the natives by force. After this, he sailed to Babs Quay a place upon a little island at the entrance of the Red Sea. Here it was that he first began to open himself to his ship's company and let them understand that he intended to change his measures, for, happening to talk of the Mocha fleet which was to sail that way, he said, "'We have been unsuccessful hitherto, but courage, my boys, "'we'll make our fortunes out of this fleet.' And finding that none of them appeared averse to it, he ordered a boat out, well-manned, to go upon the coast to make discoveries, commanding them to take a prisoner and bring to him, or get intelligence any way they could. The boat returned in a few days, bringing him word that they saw fourteen or fifteen ships ready to sail, some with English, some with Dutch, and some with Moorish colors. We cannot account for this sudden change in his conduct, otherwise than by supposing that he first meant well while he had hopes of making his fortune by taking of pirates but now weary of ill success and fearing lest his owners out of humour at their great expense should dismiss him and he should want employment and be marked out for an unlucky man rather i say than run the hazard of poverty he resolved to do his business one way since he could not do it another he therefore ordered a man continually to watch at the masthead, lest this fleet should go by them, and about four days after, towards evening, it appeared in sight, being convoyed by one English and one Dutch man-of-war. Kidd soon fell in with them, and, getting into the midst of them, fired at a Moorish ship which was next to him, but the men-of-war, taking the alarm, bore down upon Kidd, and, firing upon him, obliged him to shear off, he not being strong enough to contend with them. Now he had begun hostilities, he resolved to go on, and therefore he went and cruised along the coast of Malabar. The first prize he met was a small vessel belonging to Aden. The vessel was Moorish, and the owners were Moorish merchants, but the master was an Englishman. His name was Parker, Kidd forced him and a Portuguese that was called Don Antonio, which were all the Europeans on board, to take on with them, the first he designed as a pilot and the last as an interpreter. He also used the men very cruelly, causing them to be hoisted up by the arms and drubbed with a naked cutlass, to force them to discover whether they had money on board and where it lay. But as they had neither gold nor silver on board... He got nothing by his cruelty. However, he took from them a bale of pepper and a bale of coffee, and so let them go. A little time after, he touched at Karawar, a place upon the same coast, where, before he arrived, the news of what he had done to the Moorish ship had reached them, for some of the English merchants there had received an account of it from the owners who corresponded with them. Wherefore, as soon as Kidd came in, he was suspected to be the person who committed this piracy, and one Mr. Harvey and Mr. Mason, two of the English factory, came on board and asked for Parker and Antonio, the Portuguese, but Kidd denied that he knew any such persons, having secured them both in a private place in the hold, where they were kept for seven or eight days, that is, till Kidd sailed from thence. However, The coast was alarmed, and a Portuguese man-of-war was sent out to cruise. Kid met with her and fought her about six hours, gallantly enough, but finding her too strong to be taken, he quitted her, for he was able to run away from her when he would. Then he went to a place called Porco, where he watered the ship and bought a number of hogs of the natives to vittle his company. Soon after this, he came up with a Moorish ship the master whereof was a Dutchman, called Skipper Mitchell, and chased her under French colors, which they observing, hoisted French colors too. When he came up with her, he hailed her in French, and they, having a Frenchman on board, answered him in the same language, upon which he ordered them to send their boat on board. They were obliged to do so, and having examined who they were, and from whence they came, He asked the Frenchman, who was a passenger, if he had a French pass for himself. The Frenchman gave him to understand that he had. Then he told the Frenchman he must pass for captain, and by God, says he, you are the captain. The Frenchman durst not refuse doing as he would have him. The meaning of this was that he would seize the ship as fair prize, and as if she had belonged to French subjects, according to a commission he had for that purpose, though one would think, after what he had already done, that he need not have recourse to a quibble to give his actions a colour. In short, he took the cargo and sold it some time after, yet still he seemed to have some fears upon him, lest these proceedings should have a bad end, for, coming up with a Dutch ship some time, when his men thought of nothing but attacking her, Kidd opposed it, Upon which a mutiny arose, and the majority being for taking the said ship, and arming themselves to man the boat to go and seize her, he told them such as did never should come on board him again, which put an end to the design, so that he kept company with the said ship some time, without offering her any violence. However, this dispute was the occasion of an accident, upon which an indictment was afterwards grounded against Kidd, for moore the gunner being one day upon deck and talking with kid about the said dutch ship some words arose between them and moore told kid that he had ruined them all upon which kid calling him dog took up a bucket and struck him with it which breaking his skull he died the next day but kid's penitential fit did not last long for coasting along malabar He met with a great number of boats, all of which he plundered. Upon the same coast he also lighted upon a Portuguese ship, which he kept possession of a week, and then, having taken out of her some chests of Indian goods, thirty jars of butter, with some wax, iron, and a hundred bags of rice, he let her go. Much about the same time he went to one of the Malabar Islands for wood and water and his cooper, being ashore, was murdered by the natives, upon which Kidd himself landed and burnt and pillaged several of their houses, the people running away. But having taken one, he caused him to be tied to a tree and commanded one of his men to shoot him. Then, putting to sea again, he took the greatest prize which fell into his hands while he followed his trade. This was a Moorish ship of four hundred tons, richly laden, named the Cada, merchant. The master whereof was an Englishman. He was called Wright, for the Indians often make use of English or Dutch men to command their ships, their own mariners not being so good artists in navigation. Kidd chased her under French colors, and, having come up with her, he ordered her to hoist out her boat and to send on board of him, which, being done, he told Wright he was his prisoner, and informing himself concerning the said ship, he understood there were no Europeans on board except two Dutch and one Frenchman, all the rest being Indians or Armenians, and that the Armenians were part-owners of the cargo. Kidd gave the Armenians to understand that if they would offer anything that was worth his taking for their ransom, he would hearken to it upon which they proposed to pay him 20,000 rupees, not quite 3,000 pounds sterling. But Kidd judged this would be making a bad bargain, whereof he rejected it, and, setting the crew on shore at different places on the coast, he soon sold as much of the cargo as came to near 10,000 pounds. With part of it, he also trafficked, receiving in exchange provisions or such other goods as he wanted. By degrees, he disposed of the whole cargo, and when the division was made, it came to about two hundred pounds a man, and, having reserved forty shares to himself, his dividend amounted to about eight thousand pounds sterling. The Indians along the coast came on board and trafficked with all freedom, and he punctually performed his bargains till about the time he was ready to sail, and then, thinking he should have no further occasion for them he made no scruple of taking their goods and setting them on shore without any payment in money or goods, which they little expected, for as they had been used to deal with pirates, they always found them men of honor in the way of trade, a people, enemies to deceit, and that scorned to rob but in their own way. Kidd put some of his men on board the Cada merchant, and with this ship and his own sailed for madagascar as soon as he was arrived and had cast anchor there came on board of him a canoe in which were several englishmen who had formerly been well acquainted with Kidd. as soon as they saw him they saluted him and told him they were informed he was come to take them and hang them which would be a little unkind in such old acquaintances kid soon dissipated their doubts by swearing he had no such design and that he was now in every respect their brother, and just as bad as they, and, calling for a cup of bamboo, drank their captain's health. These men belonged to a pirate ship called the Resolution, formerly the Mako merchant, whereof one Captain Culliford was commander, and which lay at an anchor not far from them. Kidd went on board with them, promising them his friendship and assistance, and Culliford in his turn came on board of kidd and kidd to testify his sincerity in iniquity finding culliford in want of some necessaries made him a present of an anchor and some guns to fit him out for sea again the adventure galley was now so old and leaky that they were forced to keep two pumps continually going wherefore kidd shifted all the guns and tackle out of her into the cada merchant intending her for his man-of-war, and as he had divided the money before, he now made a division of the remainder of the cargo, soon after which the greatest part of the company left him, some going on board Captain Culliford and others absconding in the country, so that he had not above forty men left. He put to sea and happened to touch at Amboyna, one of the Dutch Spice Islands, where he was told that the news of his actions Had reached England, and that he was there declared a pirate. The truth of it is, his piracies so alarmed our merchants that some motions were made in Parliament to inquire into the commission that was given him and the persons who fitted him out. These proceedings seemed to lean a little hard upon the Lord Bellamont, who thought himself so much touched thereby that he published a justification of himself in a pamphlet after Kidd's execution. In the meantime, it was thought advisable, in order to stop the course of these piracies, to publish a proclamation, offering the king's free pardon to all such pirates as should voluntarily surrender themselves, whatever piracies they had been guilty of, at any time, before the last day of April, 1699. That is to say, for all piracies committed eastward of the Cape of Good Hope, to the longitude and meridian of Socotora and Cape Cameron, in which proclamation Avery and Kidd were accepted by name. Footnote. Avery was called the King of the Pirates. See the daughter of the great mogul. End footnote. When Kidd left Amboyna, he knew nothing of this proclamation, for certainly, had he had notice of his being accepted in it, He would not have been so infatuated to run himself into the very jaws of danger, but relying upon his interest with the Lord Bellamont, and fancying that a French pass or two he found on board some of the ships he took would serve to countenance the matter, and that part of the booty he got would gain him new friends, I say all these things made him flatter himself, that all would be hushed, and that justice would but wink at him wherefore he sailed directly for New York, where he was no sooner arrived, but by the Lord Bellomont's orders he was secured with all his papers and effects. Many of his fellow adventurers, who had forsook him at Madagascar, came over from thence passengers, some to New England and some to Jersey, where, hearing of the King's proclamation for pardoning of pirates, they surrendered themselves to the governor of those places. At first they were admitted to bail, but soon after were laid in strict confinement, where they were kept for some time, till an opportunity happened of sending them with their captain over to England to be tried. Accordingly, a sessions of admiralty being held at the Old Bailey in May seventeen o one, Captain Kidd, Nicholas Churchill, James Howe, Robert Lumley, William Jenkins, Gabriel Lough, Hugh Parrott, Richard Barlicorn, Abel Owens, and Darby Mullins, were arraigned for piracy and robbery on the high seas, and all found guilty except three. These were Robert Lumley, William Jenkins, and Richard Barlicorn, who, proving themselves to be apprentices to some of the officers of the ship and producing their indentures in court, were acquitted. The three above mentioned Though they were proved to be concerned in taking and sharing the ship and goods mentioned in the indictment yet as the gentlemen of the long robe rightly distinguished there was a great difference between their circumstances and the rest for there must go an intention of the mind and a freedom of the will to the committing an act of felony or piracy a pirate is not to be understood to be under constraint but a free agent for in this case The bare act will not make a man guilty, unless the will make it so. Kidd was tried upon an indictment of murder also, viz. for killing Moore, the gunner, and found guilty of the same. As to Captain Kidd's defense, he insisted much upon his own innocence and the villainy of his men. He said he went out in a laudable employment and had no occasion, being then in good circumstances, to go a-pirating, that the men often mutinied against him and did as they pleased, that he was threatened to be shot in his cabin, and that ninety-five left him at one time and set fire to his boat so that he was disabled from bringing his ship home or the prizes he took to have them regularly condemned, which he said were taken by virtue of a commission under the broad seal, they having French passes. The captain called one Colonel Hewson to his reputation, who gave him an extraordinary character, and declared to the court that he had served under his command, and been in two engagements with him against the French, in which he fought as well as any man he ever saw, that there were only Kid's ship and his own against Monsieur Ducasse, who commanded a squadron of six sail, and they got the better of him. But this being several years before the facts mentioned in the indictments were committed, proved of no matter of service to the prisoner on his trial. As to the friendship shown to Culliford, a notorious pirate, Kidd denied and said he intended to have taken him, but his men, being a parcel of rogues and villains, refused to stand by him, and several of them ran away from his ship to the said pirate, but the evidence being full and particular against him, he was found guilty as before mentioned. When Kid was asked what he had to say, why sentence should not pass against him, he answered that, quote, He had nothing to say, but that he had been sworn against by perjured, wicked people. And when sentence was pronounced, he said, My lord, it is a very hard sentence. For my part, I am the innocentest man of them all. Only I have been sworn against by perjured persons. Wherefore, about a week after, Captain Kidd, Nicholas Churchill, James Howe, Gabriel Loffe, Hugh Parrott, Abel Owen, and Darby Mullins were executed at Execution Dock and afterwards hung up in chains at some distance from each other down the river where their bodies hung exposed for many years. End of Section 10 Recording by Tisto T-Y-S-T-O dot com